Welcome to the Consciousness Explorers podcast, the podcast for people interested in the strange shenanigans of their own minds and bodies, and the world that's surrounded by other minds and bodies. <laughs> my name is Jeff Warren. With me here is my friend and co-host, Tasha Schumann. Hello. Is my co-host, Tasha Schumann. Tell us who we're going to have on today. Okay, today we have Tatiana Taro, who is a priestess, a spiritualist, one of my favorite tarot diviners. I've been following her on Instagram for a long time where she does tarot meditations and really intuitive, amazing readings. So today our practice is kind of different than anything we've done before. Tatiana does what's called a three pile reading. So she will draw three cards and you as listener and us, Jeff and I, we will pick a card as she's drawing them, and then she'll do readings for all three of them. So you get the reading for whatever card you pick. I love this practice, A, because it's so personal. And for me and Jeff, we actually both picked the same card. But then also just the discussion that opens up afterward about the changing nature of these archetypes that are on tarot, the changing nature of archetypes in our society, and how we can use them in a personal way to empower our own insight. So this was a really special episode for me. Yeah, this is really cool. I, I'll i admit that I knew almost nothing about tarot. And so this has been an education for me, getting to learn about it. And I found it really interesting. I found her presentation just really compelling. She's a very compelling human being. And it's interesting, practices have subcultures. There are kind of cultures around different techniques and practices, and often there's not a lot of crosstalk between them. And tarot is something that a lot of people don't necessarily connect to because they assume there's a whole worldview around it. And for me, Tatiana really showed how anyone can benefit from this mm -hmm. perspective, how this is a really rich kind of humanistic, spiritual, creative practice that we can kind of find something of value for us wherever we are. So without further ado, have fun. Tatiana, what a pleasure it is to have you on the Consciousness Explorers podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here. I'm super excited. Well, this is interesting for me because I know nothing about tarot. So we are going to do an actual collective sort of reading with the listeners, you and us. But maybe to begin, you could just say a little bit about, first of all, what is it? And about yourself, like how you got into it and how you think about what it is that you do. I know those are big questions that we can, of course, unpack this after we have our shared experience, too. Sure. So I guess many of us who have heard about tarot, just even in passing or in the media or on movies, know it to be some sort of a mystical, magical tool for divination, for looking into the future. That's kind of how it's presented to us. That's the narrative that we're most familiar with. Tarot for me is anything but. It's a play toy. It's a game, right? It's like a portal into our subconscious, giving us insight into those areas in our psyche, in our consciousness that we're not aware of. Whether you want to call it those shadow aspects, and it's not always shadow aspects. Many of the time, tarot will be a mirror to those things that we are very resonant with, but we need some sort of external validation to be able to trust that wisdom and that insight and that intuition. And at many times, it will be that mirror to the things that we have been avoiding or we were not conscious of, right? And so with tarot, through the symbolism, through the iconography, and I guess the connection that you have with the energy that's being portrayed in these cards, you are able to now facilitate a deeper connection with your soul, with your own spirit, with your own sense of consciousness of whatever level it lies on at that time. And so I like to use the cards to bring awareness to those areas in our lives that, you know, need to come up to the surface for clarity, for growth, for self-development, for empowerment, and to help us illuminate the truth, to help us remind us of our own power and how we can empower ourselves to make choices that are for our own betterment and our soul's betterment and our evolution along the way. And so how we do that is just by kind of playing a game and interpreting the pictures and kind of going with what does your gut instinct have to tell you about 
this image? Like, what are you feeling? What innately comes up for you when you see this? What memories, what connections are you building? What does your imagination paint a picture of in the future contingent on what is showing up for you right now? And for a lot of us, because we've been shut off to play and to joy and to activating our imagination, it can be a little difficult. Like a lot of people think that tarot is exclusively for people who are mystics or witches or, you know, people who just exclusively read this. But it really is something for everybody. I mean, even children can use the cards and start learning at a young age how to connect with their emotions and how to acknowledge and honor their intuition and start putting the pieces together and how to kind of build their own dictionary of symbolism that is meaningful for them along the way. So it's really fun for me. And it's not necessarily about telling the future because that is something that is always in motion and it is not concrete and you have the power to change things as you will. But it can definitely give you a blueprint of a possibility of a future that you may be on the trajectory on depending on how you choose to live your life and what choices you make, the actions and so on and so forth. So I really like it like that, like a game, like, like let's, let's be light about it. Let's, let's, let's see this as something as fun, not doom and gloom as it usually is portrayed and how I connected to this through my adult years, I have done a lot of ancestral research and I've also found out that a lot of my family members were readers and these were family members that have been deceased that I, you know, I didn't know about and they were never told to me through my current living family members. But I connected with this practice at the age around six years old. No kidding. Wow. I, I found a deck of cards and just was like, OK, I'm going to read everybody. So around that age, I was using a playing card deck. I was using a writer weight deck and I was also reading palms. And that wasn't common um, with the Puerto Rican side of my family, which was I, I was raised by. Nobody was doing that. And so I really do feel in retrospect, just as some people are born with the gift of a phenomenal voice and they're singers, they're dancers, or they know how to engineer things and make like robots at the age of five. I just feel like maybe that <laughs> that was just my gift. It kind of blew up from there. Wow. What a privilege to have you on to share your gift. I'm very curious where this is going to go. So how do we how do we kick this off? Cool. So this practice is, I call it a pick a pile. <laughs> pick a pile practice. So I have a, a deck of cards here. And what we're going to do is, how about this? We're going to center ourselves. We're going to take a couple of deep breaths. So we're going to probably put a bell. We're going to probably have a bell in here just to start to, to get oh, yes. the vibe going. Bing. No. And what I'm going to have everyone do is set an intention for themselves, maybe a, a question or a theme that they're curious about that they're wanting to explore. Okay. And I will be setting three piles. So one, two, and three. Tap into your heart space or your center, your intuition, your gut. And choose one of those numbers, whatever you're most gravitating to. And that is the number you're going to want to listen to. I will pull a card for each one of those piles. And when I get to your number, just hear what the message is and see if it resonates. So this is for pile number one. Creator spirit, what have you. What is the message for those who are listening for pile number one? What is the theme here? So you're shuffling right now? I'm shuffling right now. Is it giving yeah. tarot ASMR? <laughs> I have, I, it totally is. Something was happening. <laughs> okay. 
and people have their intentions in mind. Those who chose number one are thinking about their intention and how it relates to this message they're about to hear. Correct. So this card for pile number one is the Justice card. It is a major arcana card. It's a major archetype. And when we deal with the theme of justice, we deal with the themes of cause and effect. Karma, the programming that we've been kind of guiding ourselves by. So some of this may be programming that we have been inundated, whether it's religious programming, whether it's educational programming, programming from our society, programming from our parents in our childhood. And so when this comes up, it can come up with some sort of heaviness at time, meaning if there are things that are occurring in your life at this present time that are not in alignment with what you truly want and what you desire, this card can be asking you to reflect on why is this coming up for me? Is this something that I truly resonate with and believe? Is this something that I've been taught to believe because it is more in accordance to what someone else's expectations are for me? Or is this something that I'm consciously choosing for myself? And so it can come with this weight of what is authentic, what is inauthentic, and what is the aftermath of me going about those choices that may not be in alignment for me. When I talk about cause and effect and the concept of karma, I think a lot of this can be also portrayed as some sort of negative imprint that we're now living, but that doesn't always have to be the case. So we want to always consider the sort of energy that we put forth, the sort of intention that we put forth It has its own boomerang effect. And so when we talk about justice, we want to consider what is it that we're putting out there in our actions, in our thoughts, in our emotions, in our intentions to bring about that sort of outcome that we most desire. And so the idea of, of justice brings a lot of accountability and responsibility and it does bring weight but the burden of that weight is where we awaken our power and so that's what I want to express with this first card if you're resonating with this first card how are you consciously using that power so that you are learning to reprogram yourself with a narrative that is in alignment with who you are that feels good, that feels right, and feels like it is your essential truth is what I'm trying to say. Are you living the story that you have consciously chosen for yourself or are you living a story that someone has chosen for you? So card number two, if you chose card number two, shuffling, shuffling, shuffling. Oh, that fell out. Card number two, we have the six of water, which can also be the six of cups. And this is the energy of play. This is the energy of children. This is the energy of the past. When we see this card come up, we may be dealing with themes of the past. We may be either revisited by a person of the past that we need to find closure with, um, Memories of the past that are bringing forth a message, a lesson that needs to be integrated, that needs to be acknowledged or brought up to the surface for some clarity in terms of our our current evolution and where we're going in life. It could also be a, a reminder of our innocence and our need to just kind of have fun and to remember that this experience doesn't need to be drenched in suffering, challenges, and limitations. Although that may be a thing, the Six of Water says that we can always incorporate fun or to remember that innate instinct that we've had as children to have fun. Now, This card can also bring up childhood memories, right? And how maybe we need to reflect on something in the past that could be now coming up in our present in the way that we're living. Such as for me, for example, 
I had been a, a professional dancer for many years, and that was something that I loved to do as a child that really resonated with me, that made me the happiest. And there was a period of 10 years that I kind of just stopped tapping into that joy and tapping into that creative vessel inside of me. And I just started yesterday getting back into that space of creative expansion and dancing again and into kind of reminding myself of this sort of emotion I had as a kid, feeling abundant with happiness and joy, feeling abundant with this ability to just kind of create with my body and move around. And so the sticks of water may be that there's something in your childhood that you need to tap into some sort of a hobby, um, some sort of a gift that you've had that maybe you've forgotten that could be very meaningful or a part of your destiny at this time. So it's a very sweet and innocent energy that we're getting with the six of water kind of reminding you to tap into that sense of imagination play and expansion really sweet so if you picked pile number three we are getting the message of night of fire the Knight of Wands. And this is the energy of positive aggression, utilizing the element of fire to sustain passion, to give birth to your inner desires, to now set something in motion that you had been putting aside for some time, which kind of correlates with this whole spring season, which can also symbolize birth and renewal because we are dealing with the element of fire we're dealing with acceleration we're dealing with this forward momentum that is very captivating and so when we look at these characters in tarot knight page king queen these human characteristics it usually alludes to some sort of hierarchy in our path in life and so the knights they're not quite they're not quite children. I guess you can say they're adolescents. So we have that kind of awakening to potential this this hunger and this quest for life. We haven't quite encountered any hard challenges and setbacks that have stripped away our sense of wonder and hope, right? With the with the night of fire, everything is possible. And so for those that have chosen card number three, this is a message to go set forth the very intentions that you're storing in your mind. If you're getting any sort of inspiration, any intuitive insights, let's say, for example, you've always wanted to take that cooking class or you wanted to start in real estate and start investing or you wanted to learn a new language. Night of Fire is kind of like, what are you waiting for? This is your green light to put that in motion. Let's get to it. It also talks into this reawakening of uh, confidence, almost as if well, you're untouchable, you're unstoppable. It can also talk about movement. So this could be a reminder to move your body, to get up and get active, to start traveling. This could be uh, energy where you're actually going to places or, or areas of your life will now start to have movement in them and that element of fire quickening up. But for the better, things are now happening, um, whereas maybe in the winter seasons, they were a little stagnant or you were waiting for some sort of transition that now begins Night of Fire is fuel your passions, right? And starve your distractions. So that is for pile number three. Fuel your passions and starve your distractions. I love that. <laughs> I can really see how, I mean, for those listening, there'll be relevant pieces uh, in the pile, whatever they chose, there'll be relevant things in what you said. And I kind of want to, unpack in a bit maybe why that is or talk about that but I was just thinking actually it might be kind of interesting here to continue the reading on a tiny bit in a personal way for Tasha and I since both Tasha and I chose we know because we put up our fingers to each other we both chose number two <laughs> we were like I did two. which one did I did you? two 
Oh, That's interesting. Awesome. So maybe we could ask, we could, I could share a little bit my intention and Tasha could share hers and you could give us a little added dimension to uh, how this card can maybe help clarify some things for us. Because I actually did experience some clarity based on your reading. So, so maybe I'll just share uh, about mine. My intention is around trying to figure out how I can help support my son right now. He's two and a half. He's going through a really challenging period. I mean, the twos are famously challenging, <laughs> but he's he's just like really dysregulated in, in the evenings and in the mornings and just got all these poo issues. He's got sleep Aww. issues. He loves daycare. He's great at it, but I think he's just so... My, my wife's about to have another baby in the next couple of weeks. So there's all these big changes in the air and he's really suffering and we're really suffering because of it. So it's a really challenging time around my house. And I'm just trying to, I'm at like my wits end trying to figure out how to help him because I'm kind of going crazy too because I my nervous system is so bound to his. And actually, this is part of the insight that I got from what you said. So of course, all of a sudden the car comes up, it's childhood, it's the innocence and playfulness of childhood. and And I'm like, well, I'm trying to give him as much of that as I can. And that's the the very fact that he doesn't seem to be so... I mean, he is still a very joyful little guy. His name means delight. His name is Eden. Um, he's extremely joyful, but he's got this suffer period. But what you made me realize is, oh, well, where am I getting this in my life? Like, I'm actually at a place where there's so much... I mean, either working or parenting, because Sarah can't move and as much because of the pregnancy. So I'm doing all, a lot of the parenting as well as the working full time. And so I'm just so crisped out and I, as you're saying, I'm like, yeah, there is no place I go to play. I barely hang, see my friends at all. I don't do like dance and movement, all those things I used to do a lot of. So I'm trying to figure out how to get more in there. And that seems to be kind of like what that was. That's what whatever you said there was is a helpful kind of reminder for me on that and kind of inspired me on that front. Is there anything you would maybe you want to do yours first, Tasha, and then you can do a collective reading on us? Well, hold on. I want to uh, not to say to piggyback on that. Um, <laughs> our, um what was coming up for me was a couple of things. What's interesting with tarot is that not every definition is the same. Not every card is the same, right? So you have different decks and different illustrations that can inspire you to see a new perspective in the cards. In the traditional writer weight, we have the six of cups, which is the, that pertains to the second group. The writer weight is sorry, uh, just for people who don't know, this is a classic kind of tarot. It's the deck. one you yeah. think of when you like imagine mm, okay. a classic tarot. Okay. It's the one you see everywhere, okay. right? You see an adult helping a child, or or it could actually be two children. One is a little older, and they're giving a child a bouquet of flowers in a garden. And so it, it almost references this theme of how are you allowing support in your life? How are you how are you opening up to receive to be supported so that you can make space for more play and joy, right? It what's interesting is that this card almost alludes to there being some sort of a spirit guide that is trying to offer a solution into your life whether you know it or not and it could be because we're in such this I need to figure something out to help my child because it is a very stressful moment with your wife being pregnant and with your child not being in a space that you feel like they're happy or, or you know that they're grounded right um, if you have any particular practice where you connect to a um otherworldly ethereal elevated spirit guide whether it be ancestral or not you can hold space for the intention to be like okay i surrender because children can't do everything by themselves and this is a card that really speaks on the energy of having that sort of childlike wonder and that connection to magic and being like well ooh here i have this feather it pertains to an angel i'm going to ask for assistance and see what shows up right so this card could be asking you to hold space for something higher than you to create the path instead of you trying to figure it out yourself but this card also pertains to the element of water which isn't rigid which talks about cleansing which talks about fluidity and and being in the flow but also almost like this need to release emotions so what activities can you incorporate in your life 
that allows you to release these emotions. Um, and there may be something in your childhood that is is coming up that reminds you of this time that's playing out in your family dynamic. No Seeing if there is some sort of a practice that allows you to release these emotions, whether it's a journal practice, whether it's just allowing yourself to surrender and cry, which is a big thing with this card, or just simply allowing the emotions to be without actively trying to figure out what to do about them. Right, it's the six of water. That's something I definitely need <laughs> to hear. You know, I I think just getting more settled myself will ultimately probably be the biggest thing I can help him since we're so intertwined. And I just appreciate the, this, you know, I just love the, the invitation of tarot seems to be, here's this rich dynamic, this representation of this rich human dynamic and it it gets elaborated in such a rich way that it allow it's a kind of an invitation for us to find how does this map into my life and my experience right now and i mean to be honest all three of those readings you gave i was receiving a kind of benefit from it in the sense i could see how that could relate to certain parts of my life but the one that really did lock it in was the second one which is pretty interesting for me it this was so bang on in so many levels because so I'm, you know, I'm a musician and a songwriter and I've done that for a bazillion years. But it, my practice actually started in poetry and prose. And I'm like coming full circle and coming back. And I'm now like sitting down, decided I'm going to write a book. And I have no idea what that is. So my intention was to know, to clarify what is this writing journey that I'm on right now? Like, give me some clarity about it. And the last couple of weeks, I've actually been writing just an essay form, memoirs from childhood, which, you know, I had like a pretty traumatic childhood and in just a really poetic kind of way. And something that I keep running up against is how to, you know, there's all these feelings when you're talking about trauma. One is just like the anguish when like resentment, but there is also this joy as well, you know? And so weaving how to weave together all of those without being so heavy and just dark. And then the message is just when you know having that kind of sense of joy come out of it too so i've been playing with these essays and trying to figure out what the balance is and then when you said you know it's basically the message of childhood of joy of ease and i just kind of had this download of like the lightness of even traumatic stories from childhood and i literally was just connecting these dots of these different essays that i'm writing of finding the moments of joy in them that i could that are kind of the conclusion of the essays for me so that was just like, yeah, yeah, no, I just got it. So that was really beautiful for me. Finding the light in the darkness. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know where it was recently. I've been quite on a quest as of late since the beginning of this year. I don't know what happened, but it's literally been like a deep dive into my childhood and it, connecting to my inner child and, and knowing that basically that is like the root to all things. Right? Yes. Yeah. And clearing and, and kind of navigating that space. And someone, it might have been Mariam Hasnia, um, who's also like an energetic worker and a healer. Someone had mentioned, and I'm just going to maybe connect it to her. It could have been her or not. Someone had mentioned that your supernatural gifts lies within your shadow side, mm. lies yes. within yeah. uncovering what your shadow side is. And when you're able to kind of, in a way, kind of make peace with that and then see what the lessons were and maybe why your soul chose to go through those lessons, if you so sort of believe in that rhetoric, you'll be able to tap into your most authentic and free space, which I have been able to do so through meditations and just like, you can call it a meditation, but it's more like just holding space for the trauma and, and, and allowing the emotions to kind of be and just connecting to that inner child and being like, I'm sorry you had to go through this. You didn't have to, you don't deserve that, but you are safe now. You are safe now to express your fullness and you're safe now to, to, to really embody your, your light. Right. And, and so it's interesting how you're kind of going through that through your memoirs. Cause I was going to say like, maybe there is something that you need to write about in regards to your childhood journey and where you were then and 
how you've kind of become a phoenix to who you are now and that process of rebirthing yourself as we always are. And that could just be, you know, a never ending journey to reawakening and rediscovering these gifts that I don't think are ever gone. They're just kind of hidden within these layers of things that we need to accept. Something that was really kind of poignant for me was that, you know, a lot of these traumas I've worked through, I'm fine with them. I have, you know, I don't carry a lot of resentment about them, which is why I've never told the stories because I was like, I want to transmit some kind of message, some something positive, like a takeaway if I'm going to tell this story, you know. And so in the reading, it was really, you kept on saying sweetness. And that was really it. There's this like sweet energy, this like kind of like simple, simplistic kind of beauty. And I was like, that is in almost any childhood story, that is the gift of that story, even in trauma, or even if it's boring, or if the story is about the suburbs or whatever, you know, there is this like, lingering sweetness of of childhood that we can kind of give to each other. Yeah. And also to add on to the six of water is how can we hold the intention daily to rediscover our connection to everyday magic? Mm -hmm. Mm. Just in the sense how when we talk about magic in a tangible way and how people are doing rituals, really the premise is what is your intention when you're utilizing these physical tools, right? We don't always need those physical tools. We are we are the vessel for intention. We are the magic makers. So how do we make our lives that, how do we connect to the divine and and kind of activate our inner mystic by utilizing our imagination, not in such a phantasmagorical way where we're kind of out of touch with reality, but with just... You know, just like maybe making a small moment into a moment of play. When we're brushing my teeth, what can I be grateful for? Let me just kind of start visualizing how I want my day to be. Or when I'm drinking water, ooh, I really want this job. I'm going to program this one. <laughs> like, you know, something fun, you yeah. know, and really starting to just like how we were when we were kids. So. Well, it seems like that's kind of your entire approach to the tarot deck itself and maybe it's a kind of way of bringing a sort of everyday magic into our lives where we have these richly artistic presentations of human dynamic that we're invited into as a way of opening ourselves up connecting you know meeting even as paths of development of working through our challenges of getting insights about particular ways and we're being held back of seeing our potentials of coming into a relationship with new wings in our personality i mean it all seems like it's potentially available there with these cards as invitations as guidelines as provocateurs yeah yeah and you know what I, it, what's interesting is that what's coming up for me as i'm doing more of this inner work is that the card has its own set of archetypes that we kind of experience throughout our lifetime, birth, death, the divine mother, the divine father, resurrection, what have you. And then it has its main characters that support that, that tell us why that's going on, who and how it's going to go on. There's something that's been surfacing within me that makes me think that the tarot is incomplete just because there are experiences that we don't have the vocabulary for as we expand our perspective. And I don't know what these missing cards are. It's just something that's very resonant with me. Like I almost feel a, a disconnection with the tarot now as I'm diving into this consciousness work and this energy work. Because I'm expanding and now I'm starting to see that, okay, I related to this. But when I did relate to this, it was kind of like this very narrow frame of thinking or I had placed myself in a box. And now I see that although these cards are awesome and, and they were helpful, they don't tell the full story. I feel like you're not alone in feeling that at all. Like I follow a lot of tarot artists who are making their own decks. And there's just been this proliferation of decks in the last, you know, 10 years. But the last four years, like every visual artist I know has a deck and is doing amazing stuff and is really straying from those traditional archetypes. And it that's what I was, I was actually going to ask you. Like, I, I feel like that's kind of something in the zeitgeist. Like we're all feeling 
these new emerging archetypes for all of us. And the old archetypes still do say a lot and still do carry a lot of weight. But, you know, even just in things that we're experiencing as a collective, moving beyond gender norms and beyond the gender binary. And I'm wondering if you have favorite new decks that maybe speak to you a bit better than the traditional archetypes. Um, yeah, actually, I do. So when I'm talking about expanding on the tarot deck, I, I think there's an aspect of me that wants cards that don't necessarily have an archetypal label to them. That can't necessarily be defined by the human language because it could only be connected through the heart space or the heart language or this, you know, consciousness. Right. And, and, and that could be anything. And so that's left to interpretation. But some cards that kind of mirror that. Um, Shrine of the Black Medusa Tarot is something that I've been resonating with this one hardcore. It's uh, predominantly collage based, but because it's giving us so much in one card, you know, <laughs> I'm like, wow. you can pull so much. I'll try and post some pictures of those on our on our site. There is also this deck. Normally, a tarot deck has 78 cards. This one is like double, if not triple that. And um, this one's called the Alley Man Tarot. And this was on like a Kickstarter and it had taken over a year for it to arrive. But these cards have your standard 21 archetypes and then like the rest of the uh, minor arcana. But it has other cards like the Wounded Man or Lightning in a Bottle that has no connection to the actual tarot tradition. Like this isn't a card in the tarot deck, but... From this card, it's like, you know, what can you take from this, right? So it, it's like when I talk about tarot, it's very much like studying art history. Um, and it's like magic art history, I guess. This is so interesting. So, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get it, himself okay. a deck. It's like, if I, I'm going to try to articulate this, this bubbling feeling that I have inside me and why I'm so incredibly excited right now. There are a couple things that I am more passionate about than anything. And that is, I mean, in, outside of the people I love in my life, but in terms of subjects. And one is around the democratization of mental health, around this idea that um, we can begin to expand the way we offer support to people in this life. We can offer them more practice. Look, the, entire, the entire philosophy of this podcast, we can offer them more practices, more perspectives, more human beings who can support other human beings, more ways through their life and where the instruction is more accessible, where support groups are more accessible, all these things. And then the other part of that is this sort of becoming your own teacher and also this horizontal peer-to-peer -peer relationship. Everyone's seeing each other as teachers. And this is what you're describing right now. And you're also describing it in the context of essentially the evolution of consciousness. And I mean the evolution of consciousness in a very prosaic sense in a way, in the way that consciousness has always evolved, which is new creative forms, new creative expressions through the culture, new ways in which people's sensibility meet the world around them and then they get turned into art forms, get articulated into works of whatever that we see reflected back in us and which is why we continually need new novels, new paintings, new films, new stories as we're evolving as human beings because we need to have those Absolutely. reflecting our stories. So this is what the tarot is doing. It's exploding exponentially as one expression of all of that. And it's like implicit in it is this sharing of that we can share these visions of health, these visions of actualized self-actualization, these visions of human potential, whatever they are, and we can trade them with each other and we can learn from each other. And that's what I, I mean, I just, this is the download I'm getting from all the things that you're saying. And yeah. that's what is so exciting that I hadn't really ever thought about in this way. And uh, so I'll just throw that out there. But uh, thank you. Almost for, uh, definitely. Providing the inspiration there. Yeah. And what's interesting, what came to mind also is I think a feeling why I don't necessarily resonate so much. I can't say I don't completely resonate with tarot. I've been practically doing it my whole life. But there has been a major shift this year from just not even doing tarot work and just simply just doing conscious work and energy work and, and seeing what comes up and, and, and playing with that realm of the invisible. Right. With tarot, I feel like it's archaic. Like we're retelling these old archetypes and these stories and we're still living in this like karmic dynamic where we have to learn these lessons. We have to repeat them over and over again. And in this this like density of like 
this weight of suffering or this weight of you need to do this in order to do this and you have to go through this stress in order for you to get the lesson. What if we completely eliminate that? What if we just kind of transition to, okay, boom, I got the lesson. I don't have to go over, I don't have to go through the karmic repercussions in order for me to learn that lesson. I've already, I'm on to the next. And so I feel like like you're saying, like just how we need new novels and we need new art to be able to convey what we're experiencing. We also need to convey this new reality that we're all co-creating and we're stepping into. Right. I don't know what that's going to look like in a deck of cards, but I think that's what I'm leaning so on. Are trying, like, they're trying to figure it out. But all you can do is figure it out as you go. Yeah. A couple of things that you said really sparked some kind of connections for me one is that the tradition i come from is like the tibetan kind of like shamanistic tantric side of buddhism and in tantra it's the practice of archetypes right so you you're basically sitting in meditation and either an imagined picture or you'll put a picture up a tonka picture up of like a deity which is basically an archetype of something so you might be practicing you know green tara which is kind of like the cherishing nurturing mother essence or red tara which is like this magnetizing like get her done kind of <laughs> take over the world in a loving way kind of energy right and you're engaging with these with these archetypes in the same way that you would in tarot in tarot you look at the card and say what is coming up for me you know what does the cup mean what does the water mean what do i feel when i look at these children you know and in tantra we're doing the exact same thing and then trying to embody that so you're this like positive archetype and there's one for every feeling in the human pantheon of feelings. And you're kind of trying it on, dressing in it. But the thing is that that's not the end. The end is transcending the symbols all together, right? So the symbols and the archetypes are really stepping stones for you to just, you kind of like walking up the stairs and at the end you just jump off into mm, space, absolutely. you know? So it's literally what you're saying is that, you know, you've kind of been practicing tarot your entire life. So for someone who maybe just picked up the deck and, has no insight, you know, whatever archetypal stories there are in tarot might really be where they're at and what they need. And then Absolutely. at a certain point, like where you're at, you're like, do we need these? Can we just speak in complete connection? Can we transcend our karma, whatever that language is? So there's this beautiful pathiness to it. And I, I always really love when there's a path where people who wherever they are can kind of step on where they need. And if where they need is right at the end and not use the deck at all, then that's awesome. And just to add to that point, that's the famous parable of the raft in Buddhism, is that yes, you yeah. use a technique, you use a practice as the raft to get you across the river. But once you're across the river, ditch the raft. You don't need the raft. Yeah, <laughs> That's beautiful. And it could be scary ditching the raft when... You know, you're so accustomed to having that as a form of support or a, an identity, right? Because now it's like, oh, I'm Tatiana Tarot, but Tatiana Tarot doesn't really resonate with the tarot anymore. So then that's why I said that's why I said in the beginning. I was like, I don't know about these labels. Anymore. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh. totally. But that, that's the crazy thing. And actually, this is something that Jeff said to me the other day or like a couple weeks ago. We were talking about teaching and I, I was saying, you know, like, you know, we both teach meditation in different ways. And I'm always trying to teach. I always want to teach the med the meditation that I'm personally doing right now. But it's really hard to put into words the thing that you are working at. It's easier to put into words the things that you've already passed and kind of digested, you know. And Jeff pointed that out to me. And I was like, oh, exactly. That's why it's that's why I'm having so much hard time is that I've kind of like tried to ditch all the things that came before, even though those are so helpful to everyone else. And that's what I'm seeing in, you know, in your tarot practice. Like when you're doing tarot reads on Instagram or here for us or wherever you do them, it's like people benefit so much. And then I can also see how you're like, I am going somewhere else. You know, I'm going into like at African traditions and the priestess, like all this stuff is coming up for you where, you know, people kind of following you are where you were some other time, <laughs> you know? Sort of like what you mentioned, how it's a, a little challenging to articulate or convey where you're at now as you're living it. It's like um, you don't really have a placeholder for that. You don't <laughs> like a, what? what's the blueprint for that? Like you're yeah. still in. Well, but it's not complete yet. Exactly. <laughs> if, if, you could, if you could name it and describe it, it would be a very cheap insight you were living. You know, yeah, the you'd whole be past point it already. is that it's it's embodying the whole of your experience. You're, you don't even, you don't know what it is because you're in it. 
And then that's the tricky point because there are aspects of myself that need to have it be labeled. Because <laughs> yeah. I was like, what yeah, is course. this? I need, and then I, I remind myself, okay, I just need to surrender and, and it will make sense in time if it does mm-hmm. make sense. I don't know. Well, the, I think that in this sense, I think that the insight process of a contemplative practice is very similar to a creative process in any kind of creative work. And there's a period when you're writing because I'm a writer too, and when I've written books, I call it the bloom of unknowing, where I'm inside, it's like I'm inside the subject matter of something, and all the connections are kind of happening, but I don't know what they are yet. And I have to actually be okay with my not knowing, because it's very uncomfortable. I want uh-huh. to know, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. I, I have, if I can <laughs> surrender to the not knowing, then it's like I give space for those connections to happen. And eventually Mm -hmm. I come through it and there's a synthesis or an integration. It's the sort of fruit of your discomfort. (laughs) If you tried to speed through that, you wouldn't get that full picture, both in the creative work. And it's also true in your developmental work and your insight work that, um, and so that this thing around being okay with uh, the not knowing who this person is that you're becoming, just like you're not Mm -hmm. knowing quite what this work is, is kind of integral to the path. Absolutely. I feel like that's where the magic happens too. It's in that ongoing movement of surrendering and just allowing all possibilities to kind of whatever wants to drop into your field drops in next. And- yeah. And I, and I really love things like the tarot. And I know Jeff is really into the I Ching and has like gotten me really into it as well. This beautiful resource to tap into, you know, when you're floating in that discomfort and sometimes that discomfort of not knowing of when you're becoming is so uncomfortable. You just need something. You need like a touchstone, just something to anchor you. And tarot is beautiful for that. The I Ching is beautiful for that. You know, any kind of astrology can be beautiful for that where you're like, okay, I got, I got a message and now let me float back out into discomfort again. It's like fuel. Exactly. Because you needed to go outside of yourself in order to Mm -hmm. get that. That's what's so valuable to the tarot about I Ching and these things. They're outside of you. They're these sort of snap, these richly beautiful snapshots that then allow you to see something here, but you couldn't generate it for yourself. Yeah. And that's the whole point because it's it's the way in which you're connecting to the world. That is your interface or your dialogue with the world in that moment. What's wild is that um, for a lot of my clients in the past and, and myself, and, and, and maybe this is a reason why tarot is just like... <laughs> not hitting the spot for me right now is that, um, yeah, they're, they're these external tools, but once you actually get the message, you realize, Oh, I already knew this. I knew this. <laughs> oh, this resonates. Like I, I knew this. I just needed to hear this from some, somebody else to validate my experience and that I'm not mm-hmm. crazy and that I'm on the right path or what have you. And so for me, that's like if I'm getting a message that already resonates, it's not magical anymore. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I hear that. I don't know. It's like like you know, I rather just kind of step into the abyss and and yeah. and into this space of wonder, and it's like like what's gonna happen next? Yeah, <laughs> and live through that. So it's it's been really interesting. It's very Alice in Wonderlandy yeah. into the rabbit hole. <laughs> I'm just wondering, like I think I'm guessing a lot of your clients might be just developing their sense of intuition at all, or even just like the the trust to reach out to you and to get that. <laughs> You know, they might be very beginner at at even trusting their intuition. It's a mix. Um, well, it's been almost like a year or two since I've actually had tarot clients because I've been shifting for some time and into the space of, OK, I've been doing this, but now I want to teach you how to do it for yourself rather than me give you the insight right and so that's where the trajectory that. of my business is and doing a lot of kashik record work and stuff like that but it's it's always been a mix it's been a mix of people who are now on i don't want to say the beginning of their spiritual journey but like jumping into the rabbit hole or jumping into like now i want to know more about my inner potential or really speak to the inner god in me or speak to that you know really activate my my innate psychic gifts and abilities and and so i i felt called to get a reading or whatnot and then you have those people who are in tune that just sometimes spirit leads you to messengers that you need to hear something that maybe you're closed off to or you've been getting the message and it's not being properly integrated, right? And so it's been quite an eclectic mix. 
But for certain, my passion or my trajectory right now in doing my practice is really helping people awaken that in themselves and helping them to get the work done rather than always perpetually seeking someone to help them feel validated, which is nothing wrong with that. We need that. It's really fun getting readings, but it's 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 more empowering when you can do it yourself or you're like now checking in daily. How do I feel? Got a question. What do I do? You know, and trusting that. It's kind of like you're moving the peg of first you learn to trust someone else and then you learn to trust yourself. So mm. it's like, and you have, you're a very confident reader. I feel really held when you're reading a card. I'm like, oh yeah, I get it. So it's easy Thank to trust you. that like outside voice that just feels like they know. And mm. then I could see the next step being like, how do I be that for myself? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What a pleasure wow. having you on. That was fun. Thank you <laughs> that was so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I think you guys reawakened my tarot passion too. So thank you oh, for that. I'm so glad. Well, I love that. Well, so if people want to learn more about you, we've got, we'll li- put a link to your website, tatianatarot.com, although it might be changing. <laughs> Who knows? Oh, no, if there's a new direction. It's going to be there for a minute. <laughs> okay. And then there's the Akashic Records course. Is it a course? Oh, yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so I am launching an Akashic Record course. I just had a crazy deja vu moment. Woo! Okay. <laughs> nice. Wild. Um, yeah. If you're into maybe taking your practice on another level where we're basically having explorations with our consciousness and exploring the Akasha and exploring our potential there, then you are more than welcome to sign up on my website for my free PDF so you can have an idea on what the Akashic Records are and um, where they come from and how they can impact your life. That will be listed on my website. So you can just basically find everything there. Cool. This has been just an awesome dive into tarot and spirit and journey and symbols and all the things yeah good heart medicine thank you guys so much (laughs) thank you tatiana thanks for tuning in to the consciousness explorers podcast don't forget to subscribe and if you like this episode give us a five-star rating on apple podcasts see you next week for a whole new adventure 